This is Business Wellbeing, the podcast that brings you ideas and discussion about employee health, financial wellness, benefits, retirement plans, recruiting, and more. With your hosts, Tracy Vicario, Nick Crawl, and Roberto Flores. This is Tracy, and I'm here in the studio today. So excited to be talking to Suzanne Hannafin, owner and founder of Acumen Executive Search. They're a boutique recruiting firm in Portland supporting national searches. And Suzanne, I'm so excited to have you here because we are experiencing a common thread among our um, employer clients on the group insurance and retirement side, and we'd like to learn a little bit more about what you're seeing in recruiting today. So thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Tracy and BCI Group. I'm very excited to be here, and I do appreciate it. So when we speak to our group insurance and group retirement clients about pressing business issues they're facing today, there seems to be this common thread. It's getting harder and harder to find great talent and to keep the great talent. With this hotter job market in Portland, what are you experiencing as the most challenging positions to fill? And is it becoming more difficult to find great talent? Yeah, well, you have to remember at Acumen Executive Search, we tend to place more of the leadership positions like the CEOs, CFOs, and directors. However, what becomes really difficult is when a director asks us to help him find professional-level positions such as engineers, scientists, or even salespeople. That is where we are having a harder time finding good talent. And I think that makes sense when you look at the population and look at a business as a triangle. There's fewer people on top, more in the middle, and even more at the bottom. And so it becomes a lot more competitive trying to get good talent in those mid-section professionals. So what are some of the trends that you're seeing that have changed in the past couple of years with the change in the market? Yeah, that's a really good question, Tracy. What we're finding is that we've always been working with a lot of founders and owners of companies in succession plans. And these owners have traditionally been in their late 50s into their 60s. However, in the last year, we've seen a really large increase of succession plans with 40-year-olds. I think that's very interesting because they're ready to transition out or sell their organization um, versus waiting till about 60s. I think the second biggest change is also the biotech industry and how fast it's growing in Oregon, especially in Portland. It's, you know... It's almost the same type of thing that you have the scientists and founders who are not necessarily the business leaders and are looking to step aside and hire for that leadership position. Wow, that is quite a switch, that succession planning and that younger generation coming on board. Yeah. There's a lot of talk about culture in the workplace and the challenges with this multi-generational, the employees have different wants and different needs. Now you're, you're incorporating these um, different folks coming from from other areas of the country, and how do you deal with with that culture? And um, what are some of the questions you ask employers to understand their culture? And how do you screen for a culture fit when you don't really know the people that you're pulling from, and then and the companies that you're working with? Well, I think the cultural fit is really the number one, and it's the most important thing that Acumen really looks at. And I think this is why we've been really successful in not only our recruitment, but also the the retention of our candidates. 
Yes, a person does have to be qualified, but it really comes down to that cultural fit. For an example, we spend a great deal of time upfront with our clients, and we tend to interview all of our stakeholders, especially our nonprofits, because everybody wants their opinion and their voice heard. From that, we do build a very large and in-depth recruiting strategy, and it tends to be a national strategy. And we look at similar companies, similar industries, and we really go out and find those people. Once we find them, the other part of that equation is the candidates. It's really understanding what they want and understanding you know, what behaviors are acceptable and the philosophies, do they align? And this is where we spend most of our time. And I think it's really important to say that when you look at retention and why people leave jobs, it's because that cultural fit is not aligned. I um, also imagine over time you personally get to know a company that you're working with um, as they have uh, recruits that, that you're helping them with over the course of a few years. Mm-hmm. So you get to know them and, and their culture fit. Does that make it a little bit easier? Oh, absolutely. Because if you put the value and the emphasis on the culture, then the more you work with them, the better you understand it. So we can communicate that to our clients as well as the candidates. And again, aligning those goals and those strategies for that good fit. So there's a conception that you have to know someone who knows someone to get a job. So you've been out of work for a while and people are applying for jobs and and putting their names in with different recruiting firms. For people who are looking for a position, what are some of the things that they can do to stand out and get noticed? Well, I think networking is critical. Portland is still a two degree of separation. You and I will know one common person. And so I do think Portland is still very provincial in our networking. Who do we know? And we tend to get referred to people also by expressing, oh, I'm looking for A, B, and C. Who do you know? So I think, I think networking is critical. I think also um, to get a good understanding about the question of using recruiters, a lot of the positions we recruit for are not necessarily posted out or they're confidential searches. And so it is critical on building that network to know who to tap and when to tap them. But I think going back to that population, and as our population is increasing, I think networking to stand out is going to become more and more important. You know, I'll give you a good example. Um, We participated in the Oregon Biosciences National Conference, which was just last week. And they pulled aside one whole day was devoted to professional development. And I actually moderated a panel on mentoring and networking. And um, even on the scientist level and the PhDs, I think networking is still very, very critical. And I would also like to add that I think volunteering is also just as important. And people in Portland in particular find a lot of value and put a lot of value on volunteering. So when you meet some of these great folks at the, at the Bioscience Association, do you have a pool of candidates that um, you have a database filled with people that you can pull from? So a company comes to you and says, I have this CEO or CFO position. Are there people that, you, that come to mind because 
you know, they're in your in your database in this pool? Yeah, well, no, we don't actually have a database full of people. However, as I mentioned before, of course we tap our network and we tap our contacts. Yes, we, you know, go to the people who can refer us to others. And, um, you know, I, I think it's important to say most recruiters, though, do have databases. And I think it's easy when you're recruiting for, let's say, just accountants or just marketing people to have that database. But because we recruit across the organizational chart, each search is a very unique search. And then to help some of our employers better understand how to retain their employees, what are some reasons employees leave companies and they may uh, look to change their culture inside to be able to build on that retention? Yeah, I thanks, Tracy. I think that's such a great question because everybody talks about recruiting, but I think the other side of that coin is really that retention. I have been recruiting for about 16 years, and I will say I have never seen a person leave a job for money, period. They leave a job because their voices are not heard, they can't affect change, or there's been another change in leadership to where that cultural fit doesn't align any longer. People today, and I'm going to include Gen Xs as well as Millennials, really want to make a difference. The old attitude of you're lucky to have a job or do what I say, it doesn't work. It doesn't work at all with Xers or millennials. And they really want to see why they are doing something and how does it affect the bigger picture. And I think that companies, owners, founders, they need to understand that. They need to align that cultural fit both on those values as philosophies, in order to raise up the next generation to become their next leaders. Wow, Suzanne, I can't believe you just said that people do not leave a job for money. That is the first thing that comes to mind for me. And, you know, in, um, when we're out visiting some of our clients, I see ping pong tables and basketball courts, and, and these employers are looking to, from a culture fit, make their organizations fun. But I, for some reason, I always tie it back into money. No, actually, and, and it's funny because we're actually seeing the trend the other way, that organizations are not necessarily bringing in basketball courts or, you know, they may have a foosball table or something small for them. But um, I think the biggest trend that we're seeing in that regard is the ability to work from home. And it's, it's, again, really leading to that millennial, the Gen Xers, that really want more purpose in their life than I'm just going to come to work to work. And, um, yeah, and it's funny because I think when you go to the, to the you know, if we're going to keep this pyramid of hierarchy. I think the money plays into importance at that lower level, but again, at the professional level and the director level, executive level, I have never seen it. I think that people go with the opportunities because it either makes sense in a career path or they're being challenged, and people like that flexibility also to work from home. So when you have these folks working from home, that's that's filling the need for maybe their, what they're desiring, but then doesn't that take away from the corporate culture 
when you're trying to build an organization of collaboration and bringing down the cubicle walls? Yeah, and I don't think so. I think a lot of them, it's a couple days a week or it's not 100% full-time work from home, but it gives that flexibility. And, um, and, and I think it also, as Portland grows, our community grows, you look at Bend, you look at Eugene, traffic is beginning to be a bigger issue. And people say, do I want to spend two hours a day in a car or do, do you want to spend that two hours a day being productive, whether that is at work or with your family? And I think as we grow up as a city, we're also realizing that, that there needs to be that flexibility. We can both certainly attest to that terrible traffic that we're experiencing yes, lately, yes, can't we? Yes, we can. Um, Suzanne, I want to go back um, just to something you said earlier that um, I was intrigued by, the industry trends. You talked about um, the biotech, this bioscience association, and I hear a lot about technology and our technology association here is growing, entrepreneurs are coming on board, and do you see an increase in, in jobs in that area as well? Oh, absolutely. I think Portland is, is beginning to be known as the innovation center. And this is where a lot of companies come to start. I'm hoping, and I'm sure most of us are hoping, that Portland becomes not only where they start, but where they stay. But yeah, I look at our clients, and, and I think it's really important to note that a lo we're getting a lot of business in Bend, Eugene, other places than just Portland, and I think when people look at the Oregon, they tend to focus on Portland. But Eugene has an exciting, vibrant gaming community. Um, Bend also has a, a very fast-growing biotech community. So it goes beyond just technology and software. I think we're recruiting really smart people to this town. So, Tracy, I guess I have a question for you, because you support organizations with the retirement and benefits. Are you seeing the same thing we're seeing on the recruiting side? So we are seeing that, you know, just the, the employers are challenged with recruitment and retention. We're seeing a lot of shifting where at the senior level, executives are leaving one company and going to another and then, you know, in the healthcare industry, they're going from one organization yeah. to another. So that, um, so it's just, it's in flux quite a bit. But most importantly, the, because we had a job market that was so stable for a long time, these employers who have been very, very committed to their employees and they took care of them in the hard years, they're starting to go off you know, elsewhere and they're exploring. And so the employers are saying, hey, wait, I took care of you in these, you know, in these tough times. Where are you going? Yeah, and I think, um, I think you said something that was really interesting, which was going from one company to another, but with inside the same industry. And I think in the last year, we've seen a huge shift away from that. Like for an example, if you're from software, you go to software. And if you're from software, you only want people from software companies. I think health insurance had the same mentality of hiring others, banking. That's and right. now you're seeing a huge shift. And it's the first time since really like 2007, 2008, 
this opening up of industries and people are having to or ability to change industries much easier than they did good golly when the the economic <laughs> times that we had in 2009 2010 yeah, and lastly where do you um, where where do you think things are headed well i'm actually awfully optimistic. yes very optimistic i get excited to see the shift i think this cross breed of going from one industry to another industry, I think it brings a lot of creativity. I think when you are from one industry and you remain in it for 30 years, you, you don't get the outsider's perspective. And sometimes it's hard to see the forest through the trees. And I think when you get this movement of labor, I think creativity and excitement comes from it. So, yeah, Tracy, I am very enthusiastic and very optimistic. That's great. We see that as well. I mean, as, as the industry is changing, you have to be nimble and you have to be able to evolve and change and explore those opportunities for different, um, different areas of growth. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Suzanne, for coming in today. It's, it's really been a pleasure seeing you and talking with you today. It's have been a- fun. Thank you, Tracy. You've been listening to Business Wellbeing, a production of BCI Group. Find us at bcigroup.com, subscribe on iTunes, or wherever you find your podcasts. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Global Retirement Partners, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Global Retirement Partners, LLC, BCI Group, and LPL Financial are separate and non-affiliated entities.